Christian Parenting. Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center, no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a faith-based counseling center in Austin, Texas, offering online teletherapy for those that live in Texas but outside the Austin area. If you have questions and would like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, powered by the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Doctors Jimmy Myers and Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Josh and I'm Paradox. And I'm Jimmy. Welcome. Welcome to the show today. We are excited that you are joining us. Yes, excited to, to, to just invite you to Black Monday. Every team I ever wanted to root for in my entire life lost over the weekend. Oh, I thought you were being racist. Why does the Monday have to be black? Because that's what you, that's what like black. Going to be pink Monday. Was it Black Friday? Yes, wherever your business goes into the black, not the red. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was just horrible. It's just horrible. I've just been down. Yeah. I've just been down. I, I let my self worth and my whole reason for living hinge upon Jerry whether Jones. Jerry Jones or the University of Texas succeed. So it's pathetic. And How, how's that going for you the past twenty five years? Yeah, not good at all. Not good at all. Well, there was 2005. Is that? It was 2005 season, 06 Rose Bowl. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, for them. So, uh, I'm going to pick this up because I'm not going to be well, depressed Colt, about my... Colt, well, sweet boy. Sweet boy Colt, he totally won boy. that game if yes. he wouldn't have got injured. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what I want to talk about is taking spiritual responsibility for our kids. You people who are listening, especially if you're new to the show, you don't you don't understand that if you just looked at Josh and mine's physique, you would know that we are adventure sportsmen. And one of the adventure sports that not only are we certified scuba divers, that we are advanced scuba divers. And so in order to become advanced... Our, hold on. To, clear, to clarify, our physique suggests we could spend many days in the woods without food and not starve. And that would be that an would adventure. That would be the adventure sport. Yes. <laughs> when, when I come up out of the sea in my wetsuit, people start yelling, rolling back into the surf. Keep his skin moist. So... In order to get this advanced certification, Josh and I went in and and did this thing where you get advanced certification. And one of the one of the tasks that they had you do was you had to learn to navigate right underwater. And what I learned from this experience was that Josh was much 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 better at this than I was. So and really many things. Yes, to include this. So you you were in buddies, and so Josh and I were buddies, and we go down and and. I, my job was to keep us at 30 feet. We were getting our navigational badge. Yeah. Well, actually, yes. And so we started with me doing the navigating, you keeping us at 30 feet, because you had to like have your little uh, compass, and then you had so many thin kicks, 
and then you turn and follow Jimbo the compass. Jimbo was navigating, and I was simply Keeping registering depth. our depth mm-hmm. and making sure Jimbo stayed at 30 That's feet. how it works. And so at the end, when we were supposed to come back up at the dock, we were, I don't know if it was a full half mile away, but we were in the boondocks someplace. Perfectly at 30 feet, which yes. was my job. Yes. But so we have to we work our way back around the starting point again that I had missed weirdly. And then, so then my job was to keep us at 30 feet and Josh would do the navigating. So while we were, while we were doing this, Josh was kicking and he was looking at his compass and I kept going, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. Yeah. I should have done that. So I was looking at what Josh was doing and then all of a sudden he just stops right in the middle of the exercise. And he just underwater, he he just looks at me and I was going, I kind of gave the what's up. Uh, you know, why did you stop? The universal what's up. The universal what's up. Well, he reaches over and grabs the front of my BCD vest and just shoves me up about six inches and my head pops out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he came up, took his mask off, and he says, you had one job, Dad. That's one it. One job. You had one job. Keep and you, us at 30 Wasn't asking feet. you to multitask. You had one job. And we couldn't do it. So not only apparently do I not navigate very well, but I also was not very good at paying attention and keeping us at your, depth. Your buoyancy control. Was not good. Uh, it wasn't good at all. However, I'm throughout all of our scuba diving, I'm not the one that dies, almost dies on a regular basis. <laughs> I do almost die every time we scuba. Virtually every time we go out, you have an emergency. It's pretty terrible. So... Today we're talking about taking responsibility for our kids and what did that family bonding story have to do? It's that we have one job. We got one job as a parent. Yeah. You know, it's I, we, the tyranny of the urgent. Mm-hmm. We can think we have a hundred different jobs. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's, it's not like we wake up and only read scripture with our children and not feed them, right? We have to feed them and we do have to work and we have to make sure they're working out and taking care of their body. But... The job, that the only job that's really going to matter on the other side of heaven is this job. And in the hecticness of all of life, we've, we've forgotten this. We've, we've gotten our eye off the ball, so to speak. Today, we've really sort of, uh, what I saw, and you did church work, and I, I did 20 years of church work before you know opening up the Timothy Center in 01, and so what I saw and continue to see in working with families through the Timothy Center was that parents today tend to outsource their kids' spiritual growth and development. It's like, well, we're gonna we're gonna you know let the pros handle this down to the church. And I remember this cartoon once that had you know the police tape, and there was a policeman putting a kid in the back of the police car, and. Apparently, this was like the mother on the other side of the police tape, and she screamed, you know, where did his youth minister go wrong? And that's sort of, that's, I mean, this is just from interacting with tons of parents. It's like, okay, well, my job is to get you to church, to get you there on Wednesday nights, to get you to vacation Bible school, to make sure you go to the retreat, whether you want to or not, and you're going to go to camp. I don't care if it hairlips the governor, you're going to go to camp. Because that's my job is to get. We don't have places. time to get into it, but I've never understood that expression. If it hair lips the governor, yeah, you don't have to explain it. I'm just putting it out there. I have no idea. Really? I, we'd have to Google it, which we don't have time for. Yeah. 
So, oh, and this used to just kill me. It, when I was on staff at churches, people would say, they would call and they would say, oh, my seven-year-old, my eight-year-old, they were asking, what do I need to do to become a Christian? And I want you to come up so you can pray with them. I said, what? What are you? What? That's no. This is your shining moment, parents. This is it. This is like the most amazing moment of your life that you get to kneel with your child as they ask Christ to come. And you're going to call so the preacher can do that? It certainly was not the intent of Jesus in the early church. No. Um, I mean, a lot of this professional Christian, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Kinnaman, Pagan Christianity, mm-hmm. a lot of how we even conceptualize church and the quote-unquote professionals and they're standing up and they have the big podiums, they need to do everything spiritual, we'll show up and just sit there and soak. A lot of that even comes out of pagan history. Yes, but um, uh, pagan Christianity was Barna. Was it? Yeah. So it was before Barna left Barna and Correct. Kinnaman took over? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Kinnaman, somebody Google it. Yeah, someone Google that. <laughs> But really, when you talk about you talk about, but the, it wasn't the intent of Christ, correct? And when you look back, even prior to Jesus, which could be a theological mistake to even say that, but you know, back to Deuteronomy six, you know, we're supposed to, you know, you know, write these commandments on your heart and impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. It's it, it. Scripture is supposed to be an everyday communication with our children, not simply be spiritual Uber drivers that just get our kids places. And there was just somewhere along the road, you know, this slipped us. And one of the things I think when we look at it was Barno, the current. Mm-hmm, yeah, I know, because he's a very close personal friend, co-author with me. <laughs> one of the reasons I think that. Millennials, Gen Zers, are they? They are. They can't run from the church fast enough. And and one of the issues is this one of parents kind of taking a hands off approach and letting the pros do it. Just like, well, I don't. I'm not going to work on the faucet. I'm going to call the plumber to do that because he knows how to do that. So I mean, when you look at at, at Hebrews twelve. You know, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses run the race marked out for us. Well, our kids, that's our race. I know we've got other races, but I mean, that's that's the primary thing that we are to do is, is to pass on our faith. Really an indictment on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ as parent. Yes. You know, the only reason why I call the plumber is because I didn't necessarily want to YouTube it and learn it myself. Mm-hmm. I think we call the professionals because we haven't spent enough time in the Word to be able to know how to, you know, okay, now lead, you're stepping on toes. lead our kids to Christ. Mm-hmm. I think this is much more of an indictment on our personal relationships with Christ and that we don't invest more spiritually with our kids. Yes. And I mean, you know, we make fun, but I mean, most parents listening, most, not all, but most have been in church since nine months before they were born. Most have been to Sunday school and church and small groups and you know that that you know we laugh that you know they're so full of God's word just the average believer after hearing and experiencing all of these programs that they're so full of God's word that if you squeezed them they'd burp a proverb and hey, yet well. they feel completely inadequate which by the way this this topic is being taken from the book from myself and George Barna 
fearless parenting. But that's one of our problems is we've been hand, we, we're dropping the ball when it comes to the race that's been marked out for us in that we're like one of the first generations for Christianity to be slipping backwards, that we are not passing on our faith to our kids. Uh, and one of them is because we've taken this professional approach to let the pros do it. So the solution, what do we do? Well, first off, get past this idea of I don't know enough. Because if you don't know enough, if you're an adult and you've been in church for a while, how is it that you don't know enough? I don't even understand. I guess there's this fear that, oh, if I, you know, we're going to kneel down and they're going to stand up a Buddhist. I don't know what it is that you don't know. If you know Christ, you know enough. Yeah. But people don't like to pray out loud because they don't know the these and the thous and the sins of omission and commit. They feel like there's something to this that's more than actually introducing them to your personal friend, Jesus, this person that you have a relationship with. There doesn't need to be a ton of knowledge in that regard. But there was all of such a specific prayer we all prayed when we were kids. Well, that was important. And I don't remember the words. It's in Hezekiah. Look it up. <laughs> but yes, there's that prayer. I get, you know, what, how does it, what is it? You come into my heart. No, wait a minute. No, I got to forgive me of my sins. No, lay me down to sleep. <laughs> bless and food. bless the food. Okay, got okay. it. Yep. Good. Yes, we make this, and it's sort of like praying in public, that we've heard people who just wax eloquent and, well, I can't do that, so I can't. It's just, it's, it's not nearly as difficult as we, we make it seem. But also... Our kids, if we want to just take spiritual responsibility for our kids, much more is caught than taught. It's the Reaganomics of spirituality. It's trickle down. Do we bring God into discussions at home? Do our kids see, do they see that God plays a role in our life outside of church and blessing the food and now laying me down to sleep? Does, does God fit in? Anywhere do they see God anywhere else? When we decide, oh, are we going to uh, move? Are we going to take this job? Are we going to get this house? Are we are we going to do this? Are we going to go here? Do they see God enter in to the decision making processes in our family, or is God something you sing about, you talk about when you're at that building? You pray for food because that's apparently somewhere along the road that became very we important. Choked on our peas. Or and because we will die dead during the night unless we say our prayers. So other than those, is God even present? Because that's what our kids need to see. Because if they can just see that God's real, that he's real to you outside of sitting in a church all dressed up. Third thing, pray with your kids. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. But we're so busy. I mean, as you speak, I'm like... It's now stepping on my toes mm -hmm. that those kind of random places being the only time we actually reserve for prayer and seeking God. And it's we're just so busy and we're tired as parents that we struggle to even have a, a an appropriate or active prayer life for us. I just keep I, I probably am not going to wrap this up in a nice little bow, but this whole discussion, I think more than all right. All right. What are the four things Jimmy and Josh are going to say to help me be more spiritual with my kids? Hopefully what you walk away with are, I need to be more spiritual with my own life. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then your whole trickle down 
Although I even hate when we say that on the show. It's a very weird thing to say. But when you think about, you know, we say that God didn't call us to raise faithful kids. He called us to be faithful. Preach. So, yeah, which is why we say Prayers. trickle down, trickle down, trickle down. Trickle, trickle, trickle. That's why we say it. It's because... Need, you, when we first started the podcast, we were going to have shirts made. <laughs> <laughs> we never did. But if we did, trickle down would be Trickle one. down would be... Because it is. It's the Reaganomics of spirituality. So, yes, we need to bring God. And, and, and by the way, and to your point, and I get it. I get it. I mean, when, Lord, we're just trying to keep our nose above water. But I'm just saying, we talk about what grandma thinks about something. We talk about, well, we know so-and-so. They're going to be moving into that area, too. We talk about other influences. Why can't we talk about, you know, how God might figure into this? It's not adding any. It's just as much as just include in, in our normal deliberations. Being able to pray with the kids, and, and again, this is all I'm asking, just think about it. Other than meals, other than bedtime, can there be a time in which we pray with our kids? You know, what is that? You know, before we go to school, you know, during, during the day, if, if we get, oh, so-and-so, she was taken to the hospital, her water broke, that... Could we pray for that mom that the kids know? Could we? So just finding a time so our kids can say, oh, so prayer is not just Sunday school and small groups and church. It's not just food and bed. That talking to God, interacting with God through the Holy Spirit can be included someplace else. And then back to James Dobson. You gotta love Dr. Dobson. Preach. When he brings up the whole idea of teachable moments. And we've talked in here before about some people take that to extreme. And every time you breathe in, it's a teachable moment. And we're not saying that, but when those, when those spiritual teachable moments arise, take advantage of them because they're natural avenues to bring God into a discussion. And the more you do it, the less weird you feel about doing it. So just, just keep your mind open for those spiritual opportunities, you know, those teachable moments. That we can bring God, and, and we can for our children, which is one of our jobs as parents, is to bring a bigger God perspective to what's going on in their life. Because children, of course, are very myopic. They, you know, they very nearsighted. It's just what's right in front of them. One of our jobs is to give them a broader God perspective on what's happening. One other thing really quickly is whatever they may be studying at church or in small groups or whatever, find out what that is. That you want to talk about how do I do how do I bring them just a little simple thing like that. What are they learning? And a lot of churches do a good job yes, at this do. and do handouts and yep. place mats so you can talk about it at church. Anything like that. Yeah. So those are you know, I mean, those are just very, very simple. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to take a class. These are just things that are very natural in bringing God into a discussion. And then when your kids get old enough that they can start talking back and giving their perspective on and asking questions. And then it, then this starts to get really, really cool because you get to start having those important conversations with your kids. Again, this is a chapter out of Fearless Parenting, Raising Faithful Kids in a Secular Culture that I wrote a couple of years ago with George Barna. So check it out. Next week, we will talk about nothing out of one of my books mm -hmm. that I've written because I have never written a book and think it's such a waste of time. Really? Mm -hmm. What about Plugger? 
Life on the Offensive Line. <laughs> you never got that book finished. I have written a dissertation, which is a book. That is a book. A year and a half long process. Got attachment. Uh, which, by the way, we ought to talk about that one time. Okay. Because that's really kind of cool. We can talk about one of my books. Because it's about parenting. Mm. Mm. Let's do it. Yeah. You want to still take the lead? No. That'd be yours. If you want more information about this episode or anything previous, it is paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us at christianparenting.org slash paradox. You can find us on our socials there. Again, any of the previous episodes, we would love it if you shared the show as well as reviewed it. We thank you for listening. See ya. For more information about the voice of the Paradox Podcast, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show and find the archive of all our past shows, go to paradoxpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>